The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Well, so we're already off to a great start. We're trying to kamikaze through this as my child naps, and Kat forgot to hit record, so we're like doing awesome this morning. Anyway, hello and welcome to Fire Whiskey and Honey, everybody. It's a beautiful, balmy Saturday morning that we're recording this. Hannah Beth still doesn't have a babe in arms, thank God. And I still have a babe in arms, also thank God. Um, and Kat's got her honey not in arms. He's not here this time, sad face. But we did have a lot of fun recording with him last week, didn't we? And I say last week, it was like three days ago, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Four, five days ago? Five days? It was, eight, it was eight, almost eight. a week ago. Yeah, it was Monday. It's Saturday now. Yeah. Time means nothing to me now. Anyway... What had happened was... Oh, God, what did happen? Uh, it was a big week, Cat. I hope you remember. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I had revelations. Um, I mean, I don't think yeah. that... I mean, yes, you did, but I don't know that that was the biggest thing that happened last week. But sure, yes, continue. Yeah, probably not, but, like... So it kind of seemed like what it was like the day after like the wedding and everybody's a little bit like fire whiskey hungover and stuff. <laughs> and um so yeah, we uh got to see Sirius and uh Hermione's dad talk and Oh yes, we she did. Was born. We did. Yeah. Yeah. My brain doesn't. Sorry, it's I, fine. Like, uh, Hermione and Sirius were doing the dirty. Sirius nope. was planning to propose. Nope. Maya and Sirius. Let's be oh. very clear. <laughs> Correct. God, I haven't made that mistake in a few seasons. Um, I know. That was rough. Okay. Anyway, Maya and Sirius were doing the brown chicken, brown cow, and he was going to propose, and then she started acting weird. Um, cause she found, oh, that was the thing. He wanted her to get dressed up. So she was like digging in her closet to find stuff, cleaning up my closet. Anyway, sorry. That just came into my head. ADD. Wee. Um, <laughs> she goes into a box. She goes into her Hogwarts trunk and she finds, she's going to look for her earrings. Instead, she finds the time turner and she realizes that the sand is moving. She's like, why is the sand moving? How fast is it moving? And she times it and she realizes it, that it's, uh, one grain of sand equals a minute. Kat, can you pick up from here? So she found the time turner where the sand's moving? Oh, yeah. Okay, go. Yeah, so she found that. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. Yeah? What else happened after that? <laughs> yeah, just, just smiling and nodding. Are you again? <laughs> <laughs> totally blanking. 
And then she realized that it was her birthday from the original timeline. That it was Hermione's birthday. Oh, yeah, because then she started freaking out. And she's like, I'm never going to be able to go back or whatever. And started, like, freaking out about it. Because she didn't know the sand was moving because it's been moving for a while. Right. Nine months. Yeah. Yeah. And so Mm. she and Sirius got in a big fight. Yeah. And he left. Right. And that's when he ran into her dad. Well, Hermione's dad. Whatever. Right. Yes. And Remus came over because she called Remus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because with his, like, Patronus or whatever, and she was like, yes. somebody's in trouble, and then... She was like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Because she's able and to then, tell him. like, what happened at the end? There was, like, no more sand, or mm-hmm. very little sand. Yeah, she went poof yeah. in a flash of blue light. Yeah. And she was able to send a Patronus to Sirius that said, Sirius, I'm sorry, I love you. And then it kind of just left off in the middle. And then nothing else happened, and he freaked out. Yes. Sorry, my brain doesn't work. My technology doesn't want to work. I was on the phone on hold with T-Mobile for 30 minutes last night. Like, nothing wants to work in my life. My Apple Watch stopped pairing to my phone. I had to call Apple three times. Like, So it's just a a brain fart morning, because everything is struggling. Yeah, my, everything is just yeah. like everything is struggling. My child didn't fucking sleep for seven hours straight yesterday, and then Ew. trying to get him back down was fucking disastrous, and involved hours of screaming and inconsolability. And yeah, at one point, my husband just took the baby, told me to go to sleep, and closed the door. And I was like, "Okay, thank you." <laughs> But he got him to sleep for like six hours. And after that, he was back to being my normal sweet little dream baby. So like, you know. Weird. Yeah. Kat, anyway. what was your realization last week that you remembered? Because I don't remember your big realization last week. So I'm oh, trying no. to remember. Because it took me a second to realize that that was Hermione's dad. Because Claire kept oh. looking at me. And I'm like, why are you looking oh. at me? And then like a couple <laughs> seconds later, I was like, wait. And then the dark wizard was like, I understand it. And you're like, why do you understand this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just was like, am I missing something? Some realization? No. Okay, good. Okay. Um, yeah, so the Patronus that Maya sent said, Sirius, I'm so sorry. Please remember that I love you. I love you more than anything, Sirius, and I'm so sorry that I... And then I cut off. And, and the last line was, that sounded like goodbye. And Hermione was born. Yes. One after 10 p.m. And that's when Maya disappeared. On, s- on September... 19th. 19th, 1979. Yes. So, picking up at chapter 98, Denial and Defection. So, we left off September 19th. This is now May 19th, 1980, so eight months later. Yes, I was able to do that math really fast because I happen to know that September is my half birthday, which means September and March are six months apart, so I added two months. Aha! Oh, that's not why I thought you could do that math that fast, but okay. (laughs) Also, yes, that was about how long my pregnancy was. Fuck off. May 19th, 1980. He reeked of fire whiskey. He always 
reeked of fire whiskey these days. Sirius sat in the back of the circular drawing room, half-lighted eyes set towards the front, where Frank went over the details of an approaching mission. James stood beside him as the two took charge of the meeting while Moody and Dumbledore lingered in the other room, potentially discussing the most recent Death Eater attacks, where Benji Fenwick and Dorcas Meadows had both been murdered. Losing Dorcas was the reason that headquarters had been temporarily relocated to Potter Manor. Tut's Tower had been her home, and upon her death, and the death of Fenwick, her secret keeper, the Fidelius charm wore off, and the Order was forced back into hiding somewhere. I'm sorry, but Dorcas is just a You're fine. <laughs> We're all adults here, and professionals. We've got this. Uh, Dorcas. I will say, it does sound... Hearing it out loud sounds worse than reading, reading it all it. these times I've read it. Yes, yes. James had stepped up, opening his childhood home. Their childhood home. Of course, it now completely belonged to James, since Maya had been pronounced dead five months ago. Following her disappearance at the end of September, the Order kept the search for Maya very hush-hush as per Dumbledore's request. Sirius and Remus were both questioned under Veritas Serum, and Dumbledore insisted that he be the one to ask the questions. James and Lily were summoned home early from their honeymoon, and James had gone into overdrive trying to find his missing sister. When no clues showed up, Sirius went behind Moody and Dumbledore's back and started his own investigation into the disappearance of his witch. Arthur Weasley was the first on his list, knowing that the redhead and Maya had been friendly. Arthur was shocked to hear that she was missing, having been told through the rumor mill that she had been promoted to another department, though he was not quite sure which one, or even from whom he had heard this rumor. Sirius suspected signs of obliviation. Laurel Greengrass had been next on his list, and the blonde had heard a similar tale, only one that involved Maya and Sirius eloping in some romantic getaway. When he informed her that Maya was missing, Laurel did what most purebloods of her station did. She threw money at the problem. Unable to do much on her own, she hired multiple private investigators, including two muggles, despite the, dis- the disapproval of her husband. When Laurel and Sirius caused enough of, the stir- of a stir, the Daily Prophet picked up the story. The copies of the one printing about Maya's disappearance all but vanished the following day. Immediately afterward, an order meeting had been called where Moody announced that the search was being called off and that Maya was dead. No more information was given to them, just, to- just that she had been on a mission of her own decision that it had badly. Save for few friends she had at the Ministry, the Order, and their pack, Maya Potter might as well have never existed in the memories of the wizarding world. Her name became almost forbidden during Order meetings, and any time Sirius brought her up, he was asked to step outside or accused of selfishly forgetting that the war had not ended with his loss. James was utterly devastated. Lily and Alice were heartbroken. Remus secluded himself in his room for weeks at a time, only coming out for the full moon or to occasionally eat and attend order meetings. Sirius had gone into a mad rage and attacked Alastair Moody in the middle of a minis- in the middle of the ministry atrium, surrounded by hundreds of people. He very publicly quit his job as an Auror by threatening to shove his badge down Moody's throat and was subsequently arrested and detained by wizards who, up until moments before, had been his co-workers. Grief-stricken. Sirius spent three weeks in detainment, which was apparently how long it took for Moody to calm down and drop the charges against him. After his release, Sirius did nothing but try to drain both his Gringotts fault and the United Kingdom's supply of fire whiskey in order to bury his pain. There had only been one small light in the darkness of Sirius's world. Calm down. 
He felt a soft hand reach up and run fingers through his hair, and he took a slow breath, realizing that he had apparently been growling protectively while staring at the front of the room. The fingers in his hair helped to calm him somewhat, but they felt wrong. He wanted to lean over to the side and place his head in the witch's lap, but there were two large problems. One, the witch was not Maya. Two, there was no lap to lie on. Sirius smiled sadly at Lily, grateful for the attention she gave him, considering he was always such a mess. No one else was willing to put up with him these days, save for James, Remus, and Peter. But even then, his fellow marauders did nothing but enable his drinking problem, or scold him for it. On the other hand, Lily gave him a purpose for the life he was certain he had all but lost. His focus drifted to his right hand, resting protectively on her expand expanding abdomen, where his godson was furiously kicking from inside. "'He's gonna be a beater,' Sirius said with a small smile. Lily rolled her eyes. "'God help me!' Five months and one week earlier. Despite it being close to Christmas, not a single decoration had been displayed at either Diagon at the Diagon Alley flat or Potter Cottage. It was the first time that the family had not put any thought into the holiday, and most could understand why. Maya's disappearance created a standstill in their lives. Lily did her best to keep up strength for the rest of them, but taking care of James through his panic over his missing twin was hard enough, let alone dealing with a stressed-out werewolf and an alcoholic animagus. She had been overjoyed when, after months of keeping to himself following Mary's death, Peter came back to the marauders following Maya's disappearance. Rat-fucking-bastard. Sorry. Oh, the girl who threatened to kill me is gone now. I can be friends with my friends again, even though I'm a death eater. Sorry. <clears throat> no bitterness there. None at all. I'm fine. At the time, his presence seemed helpful, but in the end, all Peter had done was enable Sirius's drinking to even more unhealthy levels. Not only that, but without Maya there to temper Sirius's aggression, he was getting out of control, especially with his fellow oars and superiors, who were not putting enough effort into locating Maya. Lily finally snapped that morning when, after being sick for over a week and waking up to find her husband missing from her bed once more, she flew to Longbottom Keep to find Alice under the weather as well. It hadn't taken a newt in charms, though Lily and Alice each had one, to find the particular diagnostic spell to discover what was wrong. Alice had been thrilled, and Lily stood by with tears in her eyes as her friend related the news of their impending parenthood to Frank, who promptly fainted. When Frank wrapped his arms around Alice, shouting gratitude to Merlin, Lily officially had enough. She stormed in a rage toward Alice and Frank's fireplace, her friends on her heels as she tossed powder into the grate and screamed, 93 Diagon Alley! On the other end of the flue, she found a small London flat in absolute disarray. She shook her head at the sight of the place that she knew would have sent Maya into a violent fit. Not a single cleaning charm had been cast in weeks, and the place absolutely reeked of liquor. Empty bottles littered the counters, and there were cigarette burns on the sofa and the carpet. Storming down the hallway, Lily stopped in front of Remus's bedroom, knowing it was pointless to even check the back bedroom. Sirius hadn't slept there in weeks. Her temperamental magic blew the door off its hinges, and her angry gaze settled on the pile of wizards at the center of the large four-poster bed. Remus and James were leaning against one another near the headboard, Sirius draped across their laps. There was a witch-shaped gap between the three of them that made Lily clench her eyes tightly, forcing the sadness back down somewhere behind the nausea that was all threatening to resurface. Not a one of them had moved even when the door fell, telling her exactly how much they'd been drinking the night before. 
She stepped into the room and viciously kicked the leg that was peeking out from beneath the bed. Get up! Peter crawled out from under the bed frame, wincing from the pain in his shin. You were supposed to be helping them, not making things worse! She snapped and felt mildly victorious when Peter looked properly shamed. Aguamenti! She pointed her wand at the bed and watched as the men jolted awake, coughing and squirming in a tangle of limbs as they fought against her attack. Get up, all three of you! Sirius glared at her as he pushed his wet hair off his face. Go away, Evans. No! She approached the bed, smacking Sirius in the back of the head before turning her glare towards Remus and James, who both looked painfully hungover. You are not the only ones who are sad, but you are the only ones drowning in it, and I will not let my family be destroyed like this. Wills, James groaned, rubbing his forehead. Can't you at least find us a sober-up potion before you start screaming? Sober-up potion? she asked incredulously. I'm pregnant, you idiot. How does that work for a sober-up potion? As it turned out, it worked quite well. You're... You're... James stared at her with wide, red-rimmed eyes. You're pregnant? Are you... Are you sure? How does he not know? It's fairly early on. I mean, she... Oh, that's because in the beginning when you said that he put her hand on her growing belly, that was like later. Uh, that's Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in May. Okay, I was like, how does he not know? You just (laughs) had your hand on her stomach, you idiot. Like, what? Also, is it safe for her to flu while pregnant? Yes. Okay. I just didn't know if it was like Apparition would be sketchy, but fluing, fluing and flying would probably be fine. Apparition, I think, would be a concern. That is correct. At least in this particular fic. Yes. Lily nodded, her anger dissipating as tears filled her eyes. Alice and I did the charm about an hour ago. She's pregnant, too. She stared at James, watching with butterflies in her stomach as she waited for any reaction. When he jumped up from the bed and pulled her into his arms, she let out the heaviest sigh of relief and then promptly began to cry. (laughs) Ha! I know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, not that I'm not thrilled, because I absolutely am, James said, smiling as he pulled away from her. But I thought you were on the potion. We thought so, too, Alice said with a chuckle from the doorway. Lily made a three-month batch during her hen night. We must have had too much to drink and forgotten ingredient. You were both in the slug club, though, Remus said, finally speaking after the shock of Lily's news began to wear off. I've seen Lily brew a pepper-up potion in her sleep. Literally. He smiled at the memory. Are you... Wait, did you say you brewed the potion at your hen night? Yes. Why? Alice asked. Remus's eyes widened as he turned and stared at the witch's still small stomachs. Oh, shit. When everyone turned and stared at him, he fumbled over his words. Oh, just... Um, um, just... Wow, pregnant. He mumbled. (laughs) And then... (laughs) I can't fucking do it. I just can, I can so picture that. Oh, fuck. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, pregnant. I definitely don't know that Maya almost certainly fucked up your potion on purpose because she knows you're going to have babies. Yeah. <clears throat> he mumbled and then stood up and walked over, hugging Lily. Congratulations, Lils. 
James turned around, his face alight with happiness. Did you hear, Pat? He asked with a hearty laugh. I'm going to be a father. What do you think about that? Silently, Sirius stared at Lily's abdomen. His emotions spun around inside of him, and he could not grasp any one at a time. Joy and fear seemed tied together, but it was devastation that felt most present. Despite knowing better, Sirius felt as though something else had been taken away from him. You want to give our kids my name? Oh, it's our kids now? Of course it's our kids. I'm an agreeable sort of man these days, kitten. And you're not having Remus's... Oh, but you're not having Remus's pups. As long as it's not a whole litter, I think I'll be fine with birthing your spawn. And they'll be potters. They'll be blacks. Pads? Both from his memory... Sirius looked up at James and blinked, swallowing back the emotions that were threatening to erupt from within him. Out of habit, he tugged on the silver chain around his neck. The action was caught immediately by everyone in the room, and their smiles faded into awkward looks of concern. Automatically, Sirius let go of the chain. James leant forward and put a hand on Sirius's shoulder, a look in his eyes that he was fighting through conflicting emotions as well. James had lost too much in too few years both of his parents, too many friends, and now his sister. Then, somehow, in the middle of all of this death and darkness, someone was giving him a light at the end of the tunnel. He'll be godfather, yes? James asked with a crooked grin. Sirius said nothing, and instead jumped up, pulling James into a tight hug. Okay, I'm struggling not to cry this entire chapter. Like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Hannah Beth's wiping tears away. And of course, as usual, Kat's not crying because we're not having big emotional connections. What do you mean we're not having big emotional connections? Well, nobody's have nobody's spilling their heart out. That's when Kat cries. That's true. Hers are mostly happy, happy scenes. Yes, not, yeah, yeah. Heart, you not... you cry. you don't cry over heartbreak. You cry over heart filled. Oh, that's a good way of putting that. Yeah. Thanks. Made it up myself. She's just staring at us now. Yeah. <laughs> also, you guys can't see it, but I am currently looking at the super awesome reflection of my what had happened was learn occlumency and anyway, dead of time stickers that I have on the side of my sound booth now. And I just want to remind you all that we do have a shop on TeePublic where you can get super awesome decals, t-shirts, sweatshirts, baseball shirts, and all sorts of badass fire whiskey and honey gear from our TeePublic store. I feel like I started that with, we have a TeePublic store, and then I said a bunch of things, and then I said, at our TeePublic store. So like, yeah, in case you were wondering, we have a store with TeePublic, and we have a bunch of merchandise on there, and it's super badass, and you should check it out. Whatcha? Okay, well, if you want to like it out, I could tangent. We can tangent. I can tell you about my Magnum Bar experience. What? I was eating, you know, those Magnum Bars that are covered in chocolate and the ice cream's on the inside. It's not on a stick. Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Ice, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, glad we both went to the same place when she said Magnum. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Okay. So you were eating an ice cream bar covered in chocolate. Yeah. And then I felt a piece of chocolate fall and I'm like, where'd it go? It wasn't on my shirt. It wasn't on my skin. So I was just like, whatever. I don't know where it went. And this was like Tuesday or Wednesday. And then the other day I was like, my blanket was all messed up. So I was like, 
fixing it. And I'm like, what is this brown crap? And then I realized that the chocolate <laughs> fell on my blanket and it just dried there and it didn't get all over me or anything. And I was just like, this has been there for like a couple of days and I slept and it didn't get all over me when it was still wet. Like that's like magical. Huh. I know it's not very interesting. Magic chocolate. <laughs> Magic chocolate. This will make you live forever. Now. Chocolate. Okay, I'm just saying that because I just listened to the other episode where we also referenced SpongeBob and chocolate. And speaking of SpongeBob and chocolate, I just found out that number one, through Amazon Kids, you can block certain television shows or only allow certain television shows. And so my sister blocked SpongeBob, and my niece didn't know what SpongeBob was for like I I don't think until she started kindergarten. <laughs> she just. Had no idea what Spongebob was, didn't know it existed. And then she was like, what, Spongebob? And then my sister lived in misery because she fucking hate Something about the voice, the or whatever the fuck Spongebob does. But That's how he does it. I was like, yeah, I've seen videos of the voice actor. He takes something, he takes his hand and rubs his vocal cords. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yes, so we're just watching Hannah Beth like rub her hands against her throat. That yes, that's what I was referencing because hey, this is an audio podcast and y'all can't see us. That that, so- that sounds dirtier every time you describe something. <laughs> uh, you know, at least at least we have progressed past season one, where every time I said so-and-so swallowed hard, Kat was like, <laughs> swallowed hard. <laughs> there was an awful lot of those in the first few chapters, though. There, I notice it every single time I say, it still said a lot. It said almost once a chapter. And I notice it every single time because I'm like, <laughs> swallowed hard. But I don't say it out loud anymore because that joke got overplayed. Way overplayed. But. It has been two years since those jokes got played, so now it's just a callback. Okay. Now it's just a callback. <sighs> I forgot how compact these chapters are. Yeah, like there's so much that happens, and the chapters are so short. Sure. And I forgot yeah. that until we've been reading them once a week <laughs> and spreading yes. them out. <laughs> Yes. So in case you guys are wondering why we're randomly talking about magic chocolate and Spongebob and really exceptionally random tangents, it's because these chapters are super short and we want to make sure that you guys at least have an enjoyably lengthened episode. So you're not left wanting. The Princess Diaries. She got that Mustang, <laughs> right? And it's an yes. older Mustang. I think, what did she say? It's like a 19-something or an 80-something. It's, 80 a, it's a 1965. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. So she takes it to... Which it should note, the original Mustang was a 1964 and a half because it was reduced halfway through the develop the production cycle. So 1965 is literally like the only the second Mustang ever made. Yeah, so, so my point is, it's an older car, so it needs work, right? Obviously from the movie, it needs work because her Julie Andrews run into that trolley, right? Because her brake thing doesn't work. So she keeps taking it to the same mechanic and he never fixes it. And I'm like, 
I don't understand why you keep taking it to the same because Michael's there. Guy. Because Michael's there. Okay, well, that's cool and all. Like, I get going places because you like a guy, but they're not fixing your car, and freaking Julie Andrews is spending money on your car for no freaking reason. And I understand that older car parts are probably hard to find and harder to work on, and there's probably a whole mechanical science that I don't understand about it, but it's just like at some point, you either have to be like, I'm going to a different mechanic or this car is going in the junkyard because it's not even worth it. I, I think it's just that she's 16 and the boy she likes works at this mechanic shop. I don't think it goes yes. beyond that. Yeah, yes. but her mom tries to talk sense into her with other things, but not with the car. And it's like her grandmother is paying for it. And at some point she has to be like, look, I can't spend Genovia's hard earned tax money on this crap. So like... I just... I, I, I respect I agree, your but also that's introducing logic into fairy, literal fairy tales. <laughs> so, But I do appreciate your concern over the Genovian tax revenue use. Well, I hate that. I hate it when we pay, not that I pay taxes because I don't work at the moment, but I hate it when people who do pay taxes pay stuff and then the city or whatever who uses that money uses it for dumb stuff. Just like how Claire knows when they redid the boulevard and planted coconut palms where trees and people walk and cars go. I'm like, why would you plant coconut Coconut palms. Coconuts fall down and hit people and hit cars and you're looking at lawsuits. And you they idiots. also turn they also turn into projectiles yes. during hurricane yes. season. And how they fix a road and then have to do it again because they messed up and did it wrong the first time. And I'm just like that money could be used for other things, but yet it's construction. Like, Bob's Barricades is our national tree at this point. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's Bob's freaking Barricades. Like, that that's our tree. They're everywhere. That was, They're everywhere. That was such a super specific Key West reference. <laughs> It's not just it's not just here. It's Florida in general. Like you drive Bob's barricades everywhere. And by the way, yeah. the people who own that company, they're not even named Bob. They're Happy Alter and Happy Alter Jr. Why do you know Because this? I looked it up on the website because I wanted to know who Bob was or what Bob stood for. And on the website, it says that it's owned by some guy named Happy Alter. Yes, that is his name and Happy Alter Jr. I just I just want to appreciate that we started with Magnum chocolate ice cream bars and somehow ended up with Bob's barricade owner names. <laughs> or the fact that we started with the Princess Diaries and somehow ended up at Coconut yeah. Trees and Bob's but Barricades. Princess Diaries was a stop along the way at starting at chocolate bars. <laughs> like... I appreciate us. Well, I was bored in the car because, like, we were going to Orlando to my SIOP conference and, like, because my parents were going to, like, go to Disney World and stuff while I was, like, learning IO stuff. <laughs> and we, I kept seeing all the barricades. That I'm going like, to look this up. That is the most Florida statement I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah, my parents are going to run to Disney because I have to go to this thing. So I'm going to go learn and they're going to go to Disney for the day. <laughs> well, it was at it was at the conference was at the Swan and Dolphin, so the park is like right there in the back right part. Like no, you can see the I, Tower of Terror. No, I get it. I just, I just this. It's funny. Like, I really want to go to Disney this year. It's Disney fifty. Oh well, 
I've never been to the Walt Disney World. Okay, so we're going to need a lot more of y'all to get on Patreon so that we can pay for a plane ticket and also another hotel room and also tickets to Disney World so that we can introduce Annabeth to Disney. I have, I have been um, to Orlando and I have been to Universal Studios twice, but I've never been to Disney World. I have been to Disneyland. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is just like the time when Kenny told me he never went to Disney World as a kid and I went full on like, you're five years old again and I bought him I've everything. Been... Oh, she got him the ears. Yes, I got oh. I got him the ears. I went to... And the autograph book. Yeah, I got him the autograph book and I got him a shirt that says my first time at Disney. <laughs> and I made him take pictures with all the characters and I made him do all the little kid stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, I went to it Disneyland was. as a 23-year-old for the first time. We, n- oh we never went God. to Disney as a kid. But you have to realize, I mean, I live sm- literally way, smack in the middle. Grew up smack halfway between sorry, the two. Not, not to make it about yes. me, but if you want to know how bad my day is, my phone case just broke. So... <laughs> It's just the icing on the cake of bad days. But. Oh, that's bad and annoying. You're just you're just having a day, and it's not even noon yet. <laughs> D- yeah, <laughs> it, it's not even eleven yet for her. No. Well, at least I have my health, right? <laughs> right. Speaking of which, how do you feel? <laughs> that is correct. Really? Sure. Are we sure about that? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Is that correct? Because you definitely had a heart monitor on last I know, but I told you the doctor said that I am fine. There's nothing structurally wrong with my heart. I am okay. Structural integrity in the heart That's is good. a good thing. Yes. Yes. Anyway, the dead is <laughs> Anyway, the dead time. <laughs> oh, now, God. It's, it's apparently cardio or cardio. The instructional the integrity it, of the heart? That is apparently a really good lead into anyway. The dead of time. We almost had a triple version of that real fast. Like we all, th- I can see it on all of our faces. <laughs> yes. <sighs> you want to tell me why you're upset today? Lily inquired quietly. She placed her hand on top of Sirius's as it rested on her stomach, smiling up from time to time at James, who was doing his best to be the leader that he had always been. Sirius understood why Lily needed to be specific. Despite his future godson giving him a purpose in life through the shitstorm of war, he was unpredictable at best, reckless at worst. He had been arrested no fewer than three times since quitting the ministry. Getting into pub brawls with random wizards had become a hobby, one that he had previously relished with great pride, especially considering he recently sent Lucius Malfoy to St. Mungo's after running into Death Eaters at the Leaky. Sirius had been there with Remus, stocking up their flat with what little food the two actually ate these days, when they'd spotted Lucius meeting with a table full of associates. Remus had pleaded with Sirius to leave it alone, but when Malfoy loudly announced that after years of failing in, his, in her duties as a wife, Narcissa was finally providing him with an, the heir he deserved, Sirius lost it. The man was married to his cousin, a witch plenty of wizards desired, and now had a son on the way. It wasn't fair, and Sirius held a bitterly jealous grudge against the man who didn't appreciate the gifts he had been given. He beat Malfoy unconscious, and it had taken three other pub patrons to pull him off before the oars arrived. A week after Lucius had been released from St. Mungo's, Benji and Dorcas were murdered. 
Sirius blamed himself for their deaths. Didn't sleep well last night, he lied to Lily. Fucking cat woke me up before sunrise. Most of Maya's things had been boxed up a month earlier, but the cat remained loose despite Sirius's desire to shove it in a box and owl it to Abu Dhabi. Even though he was the beast's primary caregiver now, the stupid cat still didn't like him. Maya had been right. He should have bought her a fucking measle. You wouldn't want it, would you? Lily sighed and then nodded her head. Bring Snuffles by tonight. But only once you've showered, she said with a stern glare. You smell like shit. Er, sorry. <laughs> you look like shit and smell worse. Sirius smiled at her. Lily was never one for subtlety. Still planning my intervention? He knew they had talked about it already. Once, shortly after Sirius's first arrest following his aura resignation, and again after a drunken one-night stand where he tried to provoke Remus into beating the guilt out of him. Remus had not taken bait, but instead dumped him on James and Lily's sofa and let Lily play mind healer as she tried to help Sirius work through his grief. Remus seemed to move on the fastest from Maya's supposed death, though no one could really tell considering that he had always been good at keeping his emotions bottled up compared to the rest of them. James, thankfully, had fatherhood to look forward to, as well as a cause in the war to keep his mind occupied so as not to dwell on Maya's disappearance. Sirius, however, firmly walked a fine line between anger and denial. When Moody and Dumbledore announced Maya's official death, Sirius had lodged an actual formal complaint after he'd found an old copy of Nature's Nobility, a wizarding genealogy. The old book, given to the only to the oldest families, was magically spelled to update on its own. Births, marriages, and deaths were all automatically logged on the parchment. Sirius had opened it to the Potter family tree where Charles and Doria's birth and deaths were listed. James and Lily's names were written down as well, marking their marriage. A floating light hovered beneath their names, which Sirius assumed was the magic waiting for their child to be born, before it would write their name down in the time-worn time-worn text. Oh, I bet you anything when he finds Maya, her death isn't even going to be there, because she's not dead. Mic drop. But there, next to the name Maya Potter, was no date of death. Ha! I didn't even read that sentence. I just came over that by myself. <laughs> Strangely, in fact, Maya's birth date was not written down either. Something Sirius assumed had to do with the fact that she was adopted. Stranger still, while the other names were written in dark black ink, Maya's faded in and out as though it had been improperly disillusioned, or as though the book didn't know where she fit, dead or alive. Cat's face is so great right now. <laughs> ha ha ha! By the way, yeah. where did she go? Never mind, you can't tell me. We cannot. Asshole. It was just enough. <laughs> we are not the assholes. <laughs> we didn't write this. Shia! Shia, where did she go? She's going to be so mad. Message me later without them, not in the group text. You you know what I see me. She's going to be so mad. I am going to be so mad. I'm so mad right now. I've been so mad for two years. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to get worse. Oh, my God. It was just enough hope to drive his already unstable mind to the brink several times. I'll get you off the booze once I get this kid out of me. Lily declared with a bright smile, and then winced when the baby kicked again. Maybe I was wrong, Sirius offered, rubbing her belly. Maybe he's not a beater. I think he might just be a bludger, he teased. He's a seeker. 
Lily laughed and leaned against him. He or she will be a bloody quaffle by the time I give birth to them, at which point I think I'll go back to hexing James. It's been an awful long time, and he's due for something particularly awful for allowing his child to give me seven months' worth of heartburn. Oh, that's the truth. (laughs) Sirius didn't have a chance to say anything else to her as a collective gasp filled the room. All eyes turned towards the front where Dumbledore stood next to a familiar wizard in long black robes with greasy hair and black eyes. Instinctively, everyone was on their feet, wands at the ready at the mere sight of Severus Snape. While most were firm in where they stood, James, Sirius, and Remus had created a semicircle around Lily, as if to shield her from the Death Eater. Subtle, Snape said, sneering at the display. What the fuck is he doing here? Sirius snapped and moved forward, the empty space next to Lily immediately filled by Peter. Dumbledore stepped in front of Snape protectively and held a hand up to stop Sirius in his tracks. He is here as my guest, and as a guest he is under my protection. Though as the newest member of the Order, I should hope that he would not need it. The room erupted into screaming before Dumbledore once again called for silence. Sir, you can't be serious, James shouted from the back of the room. Are we, or are we not, in need of a spy? Dumbledore asked. I have interrogated Severus and believe him to have honorable intentions for joining our cause. He will be loyal and has vowed as much. Why the hell would he switch sides? Sirius angrily demanded. Those are my reasons and mine alone, Black. Snape drawled. His serious, er, his serious. His face expressionless, save for the look of disdain sent towards Sirius. Unfortunately, Sirius didn't miss the brief moment where the man's black eyes flicked over to where James, Remus, Peter, and Lily stood. The eye contact was enough to incite Sirius once again, and he growled, stepping closer. Don't you dare look at my family. It's your family that actually has the need for my information, Snape declared. The dark has caught word that a prophecy proclaiming his downfall. He believes that a child born this July will be his undoing, and his seeking out information as to how he can rid himself of the problem. Everyone heard Lily gasp. Don't listen to him, Mills, Sirius insisted. He's just trying to manipulate his way into the order. How do we know this prophecy even exists? Because it was given to me, Dumbledore answered. A young seer approached me for a job interview at the beginning of this year. In the middle of her interview, she fell into a trance of sorts and began speaking about the downfall of Voldemort. Half the room flinched at the name, but no one more than Snape, who briefly looked terrified at the word being spoken aloud. Though he had not used it much in the past himself, Sirius made a mental note to say the name as often as possible, if only to get that reaction out of Snape. "'Why didn't you tell us, then?' Marlene McKinnon asked, looking up at Dumbledore with hardened eyes. She had been known to get quite irritable when secrets were kept from Order members. While Sirius had not agreed with her much in the past, he felt just a touch vindicated at the look of irritation on her face aimed at Dumbledore." The prophecy speaks of Voldemort choosing his own rival, Dumbledore explained. There are at least two children due to be born 
towards the end of July, he said, as his eyes briefly glanced at Alice, who, up until that moment, had clearly not made the connection. Her hands protectively encircled her stomach, and Frank was immediately by her side, glaring daggers at Snape. I intended to keep the prophecy contained in hopes that, if left unheard, Voldemort would not take action to fill it. Regrettably, I was wrong, and he is now fully aware of the contents of the prophecy. Everyone else was too busy watching Dumbledore to notice the brief flash of guilt that fell across Snape's face. Sirius, however, caught it. While we take care to keep both the Potters and Longbottoms protected, we still have a war to fight, and now have a new ally on our side, Dumbledore stated, placing a hand on Snape's shoulders. Unfortunately, because he must remain in the good graces of Voldemort, should any of you come into contact with Severus on missions, I would ask that you do your best to keep up the ruse of his status, while also attempting to keep him from harm. How much harm should we keep him from? You expect us to just sit back and not throw Hex's back if he attacks us? Sirius challenged, glaring at Snape. Quite the opposite, Sirius, Dumbledore said with a smile. I expect you to keep up the appearance of a rivalry in case others are watching. It would serve us well to keep Severus's position as a double agent the highest priority. So, basically, don't fatally injure him. Sirius asked for clarification, and Dumbledore nodded. Sirius finally lowered his wand. In the split second that Dumbledore's eye, blue eyes turned away, he sent a closed fist into a large hooked nose, knocking the supposedly defected Death Eater to the ground. There, Sirius said with a triumphant smirk. Rivalry still well established. And that's the end of the chapter. I do love a good snake punching. Where did she go? <laughs> I don't know why, but I just had never-ending stories stuck in my head. Because this is the never-ending story. We're going to have to come up with some creative answers to this question, I have a feeling. Yes. She went into the great unknown. That's it. You answered your own question. She now lives in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants. Anyway, well, now that Kat's frustrated with lack of answers once again, let's go ahead and thank our patrons. Thank you to our foxes. We'd like to thank Anthony, Lisa, Jade, Tori, Leanne, Stacy, Carolyn, Sierra, Camille, Miriam, Shannon, Sandra, Martina, Claire, Nicole, Lynn, Kenny, Ryland, Jackie, Amber, Sarah, Sarah, Muggle Trucker, Matthias Potter, yes, really, Carissa, Kaylin, April, Olivia, Rachel, Chelsea, Sarah, Amara, Cassie, Cauldron Mist, Laura, Audrey, Melissa, Amanda, Tori, Darian, Nina, Sylvia, Ryder, Crystal, Natasha, Misha, Rebecca, Dan, Jillian, Katie Cat, Kendra, Ash, Chris, Shona, Catherine, Becky, Montana, Paige, Michelle, Frau Holly, Roshan, and Tanya. And it is important to note that in order to give our beloved editor a solid maternity break for the month of November, because she's having a baby 
sometime around the date of this podcast, we will be using our October patron names through the month of November. So if you're a new patron in November, please know that or if you joined us during this previous month of October and your name would be announced as a November patron, please note that your name will be said during the December patrons. And we are sorry to have to delay that for you guys, but our biggest focus is, of course, making sure that Hannah Beth has a stress-free birth experience and is able to enjoy the first month with her child without having to deal with our bullshit. So... (laughs) We miss you. And we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Watcha! Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episode. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.